comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The world we know is gone. No internet, no GPS, no text messages, no podcasts. In a world ruled by the dead, we are finally forced to start living. And welcome back to the Walking Dead TV podcast. I am, as usual, Jordan from Jersey, joined this week by Aaron Newworth, Jim Dietz, and Richard Chubtoad Shelton. How are you guys all doing? Great. I brought dinner. And we also appreciate uh, Chubtoad, you taking your first shower uh, since season two. I mean, we really appreciate you sticking with the show uh, that dedicatedly. I suffer for my art. <laughs> <laughs> So before we get into the you know plot synopsis and all that fun stuff, uh, what did you guys think of this episode in general? It was a very different episode for The Walking Dead. You know, I was just wondering if you guys have like a junior league or something, because I'm a real people person. <laughs> I would say this is one of my favorite episodes of the season. I'd have to agree with that. And speaking of the Carol stuff, man, that just blew me away. I'm like, she is playing it so well. Secret Agent Carol, it's awesome. I, I mean, I got to say, I was a little worried... You know, we knew, you know, as comic readers, we had we had a pretty good idea this is where the show was heading. And I was worried that, the you know, the general TV audience was not going to respond as well as many readers did uh, to Alexandria and this whole idea. And, but I'm thrilled to say, and I, I don't want to skip ahead to our Facebook page and what our listeners thought, but just a general uh, reaction I've seen on Twitter and Facebook and Reddit and, and various reviews I've read, people seem to really dig this episode and this new turn for the show, and I'm really happy to see that. Because, like I said, I, I was legitimately a little bit concerned about that. And a lot better uh, comments from people around the internet than last week's episode as to where those people should be ashamed of themselves. Yeah, luckily I, I missed seeing that, but I was I was I definitely know what happened, and, and I'm thrilled that a lot of people stood up for being a decent human being, which is nice. I appreciate that. But enough about that. Um, before we get into the actual episode uh, plot synopsis, let's take a minute to thank our sponsor, DCBService.com. DCBService is a great website where you can go and order your comics in advance. Comics are expensive, but they don't have to be. And one of the best places and one of the cheapest places to get them is DCBService.com. You order your comics in advance. They come to you in a nice box. They have great customer service. And you're going to get 15 25 30 50% off Sometimes your your floppy comics, your trade paperbacks, uh, 
t-shirts, hats, whatever comic book related, or just whatever nerd type stuff you're into, you can get it there for way cheaper than you're going to see anywhere else. And and it's a really, really awesome service. Their sister site, Instock Trades, also deals with the hardcovers and the trade paperbacks. Pick yourself up a compendium for Walking Dead, volume one or two. Get yourself 48 issues at a pop for deep, deep discounts. Uh, those uh, Walking Dead, uh, what, what are they called, Jim? I know you're a big fan of them. They're almost like Lego sets, but they're they're made by uh, McFarlane Toys. Right, well, they've had a, a few different sets. The ones that just came out were, are these, I hate to call them action figures because they're more like dioramas. Like, they're a whole scene from The Walking Dead with not just a figure, but like, say, the one I, I ordered has um, from DCB Service has Daryl on his chopper with like a chain link fence and some walkers and on like a a street scene, like a whole entire diorama. So it's pretty sweet. McFarlane has done some really cool stuff with that license. And I mean, if you're into the action figures and toys like I am, you can order those at DCB service as well. Even if you just want to get a walking dead t-shirt or a Michonne hoodie or, you know, whatever, they have all those things there at a deep discount, a deep, good price, good people to work with. And, you know, the customer service is second to none. And we thank them for their service. Awesome people. Uh, before we get into the actual plot synopsis, there's a little bit of news we have about the season finale of The Walking Dead this year. Aaron, why don't you let our listeners know what they can expect from the season finale that has been announced? For sure. Uh, some people may, some of, uh, people may already know this, but uh, it's been announced that The Walking Dead season finale will be 90 minutes long. Um, so, yeah, we're having an extended episode of The Walking Dead when the season ends. So, you know, something's happening. I hope it's an intense you know, bridge tournament between uh, Rick and Michonne and everyone else that plays bridge at Alexandria. But who knows? Maybe it'll be something more violent. I don't know. Have we had a 90-minute episode other than the pilot? Because that was 90 minutes, right? The second season premiere was extended. Oh, was it? Okay. But was the pilot also 90 the pi- minutes? The pilot was... That's a good question. I believe it was. A, I believe it was a, at least... Oh, it was It was at least extended. I don't know if it was like a full 90-minute extended. That's a good but, point, yeah. I believe it was a, a longer, yeah, it says 67 minutes, so like in TV time, that's like like an hour 15, something like that. Yeah, good point, good if, point. If not longer. So we, we have that to look forward to, but uh, that's that's a few weeks in the future. What say we talk about this week's episode in depth? You know, looking, I'm sorry, looking at the second season premiere, it also says, it also says 67 minutes. So yeah, I guess that equals uh, 90 minutes in TV time without commercials. But no, no others aside from that. Uh, the, the season premiere of the first uh, two seasons and this one, huh? Not that I can recall. No, I think every other episode's been, you know, give or take a minute or so. I think every episode's been, you know, fit within that hour, forty time minutes. Frame. Yeah, yeah, that forty-two, forty-five-ish minute time frame. So. So this week's episode was titled Remember, Season 5, Episode 12, directed by Greg Nicotero and written by Channing Powell. And we have a whole bunch of guest actors. I actually thought this was kind of funny. I saw a lot of people not really complaining, but just pointing out, wow, it didn't seem like there was a lot of people in Alexandria. But there's quite a few we had introduced just in this first episode. So we have Tova Feldshu as Deanna Monroe. Uh, Deanna Monroe, we'll talk about the character as we get into the episode, but as far as I can remember, actually the first gender-swapped character in The Walking Dead. Uh, she was, was it Donald Monroe in the comics? Don- uh, Douglas ooh. Monroe. It's Douglas. Douglas Monroe. Douglas, Douglas, yeah. Douglas yeah. yes. And Tova Feldshu is like a, a veteran actor, like going back to the 70s, she appeared, appeared on The Love Boat for Pete's sake. She's been a recurring character on the original law and order uh, you know one for of the, like 15 years yeah yeah so i mean she's she's definitely paid her dues and and been around it was it was it was pleasant for as a pleasant surprise for me to see her you know when i when uh, she sat down with rick or whatever i was like wow you know this 
powerful actor, you know, working on this show now. I mean, I was very pleased by this casting choice. Yeah, absolutely. I was saying to uh, Chub Toad off the air before the rest of you guys got on that uh, I'm actually really excited about them gender swapping this character uh, because of some of the story places that can go that it couldn't have gone or just didn't go with a male character in the same place in the comics. So I- I'm pretty excited about that. And, and not to mention the fact that she was really, really good in the episode. Then, of course, we had Tyler James Williams as Noah. Uh, We were introduced to Alexandra Breckenridge as Jessie. She's been on True Blood before, uh, two different seasons of American Horror Story, uh, an episode of Buffy back in the day. She's been around for quite a while as well. Uh, We saw Ross Marquand as Aaron again. We were introduced to uh, Daniel Bonjour as Aiden Monroe, uh, Diana's son. Uh, Austin Abrams as Ron, uh, who's Jesse's son, if I recall correctly. Jordan Woods Robinson as Eric. Corey Brill as Pete, which I believe is Jesse's husband. Is that what we decided on? Yes. Uh, Michael Trainor as Nicholas. Caitlin Nakin as Enid, a uh, terrible name, but, uh, you know, I, I feel bad for her. But Caitlin Nakin, you may remember from Too Many Cooks. She was one of the many, many people in the Too Many Cooks short from earlier this Too year. Too Many or Cooks. Year. Thank you. Greatness. Man. I appreciate Greatness. that. Greatness. Uh, Elijah Marcano as Mikey, who I assume was one of the other kids. I don't really recall off the time ahead. Same with uh, Anna Mahoney. Actually, Anna Mahoney as Olivia, she was the old lady on the porch. Is that right? Or was she the lady who took the guns? There's a lot of characters in this episode. <laughs> I stopped caring. I'll know, I'll know next week. <laughs> and uh, Major Dodson. Yes, that is correct. Major Dodson as Sam. Of Olivia took the guns, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. And Jerry Mathers as the beaver. <laughs> Uh, so, Remember starts with Rick and the group entering the Alexandria safe zone, which is the scene we saw uh, during Talking Dead last week, uh, where they're greeted by Nicholas, who asks them to surrender their weapons, and Rick refuses. And they did this, you know, really intentionally throughout the whole episode, as far as I noticed. They kind of gave it that feeling of unease, like they're hiding something, like they're not telling the whole story. I mean, at the beginning of the scene that you're describing right now, we see them going into the gate from behind a window in one of the abandoned houses outside the gate. You know what I mean? We see it from that point of view deliberately, you know what I mean? To kind of make us think, well, that somebody's watching them that has you know, nothing to do with that or you know, somebody's keeping them. You know what I mean? I agree with you to an extent, Jim. I think, especially in the opening sequence, there's a level of tension of, you know, what is really going to happen here. But I do think it kind of, it lets the audience allow their guard to be down as the episode goes on, I think. Only to then throw that back at them with the final scene, which right. I thought was kind of awesome. Which is more uh, coming from, well, we'll get there, but coming from Rick and the gang's side than anything Right, else. exactly. So Rick refuses to give up the guns, but Aaron uh, suggests to Nicholas, the guy who meets him at the gate, that maybe they should first meet the leader, De- Deanna, and then they can give up the guns later, and everyone agrees to that. Eventually, uh, a possum comes out, Daryl shoots that, and uh, that's dinner, you know, because you always got to bring a gift, as I said on Talking Dead, and uh, a zombie comes up, and uh, Rick has Sasha take out the zombie sniper style. Well, he's really demonstrating to them how well-trained they are together as a group. You know what I mean? He's kind of showing off, and we're not showing off, but kind of giving them an object lesson. You know what I mean? Because you know, Rick barely yeah. makes a motion; it just says Sasha, and Sasha immediately just takes it out. You know what I mean? And doesn't he say something along the lines of "Good thing we're here" or something like yeah, that? Yeah, good thing yes. we came by today. Fairly quickly after that, we meet Deanna, Deanna Monroe, who is a former congresswoman from Ohio. Or, I mean, technically, she was never kicked out of office, so theoretically, she's still a congresswoman, depending For on how you life. Look at it. <laughs> 
But uh, she interviews the group individually, and we see this throughout the episode with different cuts, but she records the interviews for uh, transparency, and we're told during Talking Dead, this was never said during the show, but basically the idea is anyone in Alexandria can request to view the tapes and view the tapes at any time. It's, it's Deanna tries to operate the whole thing as transparently as possible. There's no secrets, at least. Uh, that's her point of view. That's the thing she's telling everyone, at least. It's just a leftover from when she was in Congress. It's just the government wanting to video and spy on the public. That's all it is. It's my conspiracy theory anyway. Yeah, you've been in Oklahoma too long, man. The evening I moved here was too long in Oklahoma. But yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I, I About the interviews, I would say, and this is... It's not something that, like, threw me... I mean, because, again, I like this episode a lot. It's one of my favorite of the season. The interview stuff, with the exception of two, one being Rick and the other being Carol, I think both for obvious reasons, it felt like it was, like, a little too much. Um, I don't know what to do differently about this or what have you. It just, like, get, getting this footage stuff, having it spliced into the episode throughout, again, I don't know what the better way to handle this is. I just, it just it felt like it's like, all right, I, I get the idea of this, as opposed to kind of seeing more of just... Our, our cast interacting with the rest of the town outside of this kind of setup. I actually liked the idea of it. I just f- feel that they wasted it all in this episode. I think what would have been a really cool play is for the rest of the season, what do we have? Five more episodes? Four? Four. Mm-hmm. Four more episodes. And five including this one, though. And, oh, and, Lord, yes. and let things play out as they're getting to know in the community and then as things are relevant to the interview, flashback to so-and-so's interview, how it plays out in that scene. You get what I'm saying? Which could still happen. It could still happen, yeah. There's plenty of other cast members we didn't see have this take place in. I didn't mind the framing sequence of those, uh, you know, like little portraits or whatever. It, mainly because of like you, like you said, Aaron, uh, Ricks and, and Carols, you know, with the you know varying uh, levels of sincerity uh, <laughs> in, in the different you know people being interviewed. But um, it just uh, the I, I didn't mind it so much. It just kind of gave us an idea of their their frame of mind and and how they felt like you know coming. It, it really it just impressed upon me how these characters have evolved and changed since the first season. You know, putting them back in in a, in a you know a quote unquote normal situation, such as you know the Alexandria Free Zone, and how out of place they feel, and how out of place they are, and how far removed from that they are now. You know, I, I really like that kind of juxtaposition interplay in this episode, which is completely fair, and I understand it. And again, it's not something that's completely throwing me off this episode in terms of that was horrible. It's just more of seeing Daryl act the way he does, I don't know if I needed, like, a video interview to, like, further emphasize that he doesn't like it here or that he's just untrusting <laughs> right. it. And same with Glenn, who Glenn gets, you know, he gets his own standout sequence in the actual episode outside of the video stuff where it's like, did I really need to see him, let alone, you know, other scenes we've seen of Glenn throughout this season, so, you know, this half of the season. it's it's It seems a little redundant. Again, it's not a huge issue. It's just more of, like, I don't know if we really needed all this. That's just kind of where I'm coming from. See, I, I really, really liked the frame-in sequence of them while watching the episode, but I liked it even more once the episode was done because of that final scene. And for me, it's not... I mean, I agree with what you guys are saying and how it's showing us how they've changed and it's showing them, you know, trying to adjust to this world, but it's also very useful for not just showing that, but also showing these characters. And we talked about last week how, like, Rick was coming off like a villain in some places and, and how these characters must must look to, like, Aaron and Eric and stuff. But it's showing us these characters through the eyes of not just the camera, but of Alexandria in general. It's showing us what they look like to this, what seems to be, at least from this episode, 
a very peaceful, nice, normal-ish, at least for uh, even for for pre-apocalypse community. It's showing what these characters look like to them, and particularly with the twist at the end, how they're going to look to this community going forward if Rick goes ahead with his plan. And one thing I did really appreciate about it, especially the uh, when uh, she interviews Rick at the beginning, is that she kind of breaks down like all the. Uh, like the kind of uh, um, uh, little uh, you know, nitpicks I had in the back of my mind, well, like how do they have water or how do they have electricity? You know, all these other things um, that that kind of bothered me, and this kind of got that out of the way real quick. And while she was interviewing Rick, and I I appreciated that they didn't linger on, you know, drawing that out. They just kind of explained it and then walked, you know, went on. Now, Jordan, you mentioning you know you what you liked about you know recognizing in these videotapes afterwards. I feel like that helps if you, you know, watch Talking Dead and understand that everyone will see these videotapes. Oh, I don't even I don't even mean from that perspective. I just mean for us as an audience to see them through the eyes of the people of Alexandria and really contrast those two things. Seeing the questions that Deanna is asking because she's trying to find out more about these people who look like, you know, monsters in many respects. Mm -hmm. They look like crazy hill people who have come into suburbia. Well, that's fair. And again, I, I guess I, I agree with what Rich was saying, where I get I, I like the idea of them, I guess, more than how they came off in this episode. But again, not to a, like a diminishing effect because it didn't bother me that much. Just something if there was something to point out as something that seemed like a minor flaw in my eyes, that's that's where I go. Fair enough. So we learn a lot, quite a bit about Deanna, particularly through Rick's interview. She, Like we said, she's a congresswoman from Ohio. Uh, she was heading back to her district when everything, well, a- as everything was going down, never made it there. But she got to this community, and as Jim pointed out, she, she answers all the questions of this was designed to be a self-sustaining community, more or less. Uh, you know, the houses were going for, uh, was it low 800s or something like that, or mid-800,000 range? And her and her husband showed up there with their, with their son, Aiden, and her husband was an architect, so they helped build these walls, and basically, just in very short order, lays down all the information you need to know about the structural mechanics of this community, at least. Which was good. Uh, she asks Rick a bunch of questions, and he tells her, you know, you shouldn't be letting people inside these walls if it's so great. You should lock the doors and not let anybody in. You haven't seen what it's like out there. I have. And she points out that he's already trying to protect the safe zone, which she appreciates. Rick does a good job of kind of laying out his where he's coming from and not making it necessarily sound threatening, but making it sound just real. Just giving giving him a wake up call, essentially, in terms of how they might perceive things to be versus how things actually are based off you know actual record. Uh, we also learn that Deanna is quite proud of her poker face and uh, her ability to read people. And she she mentions that she had thought about uh, retiring and becoming a professional poker player. And when Rick, I think Rick laughs at this, she she tells him, "No, I'm I'm serious." Uh, which I think might be considered overplaying your hand, but you never know. I I love the reaction both on both sides of this. That yeah. made me laugh. Also, we later see Carol's interview, and she we'll get into this later, but she she lies about her past. She implies she has very few survival skills. She's a meek housewife. She basically plays off her and her husband's relationship like it was you know the cleavers or something like that. And she's just glad to be back to society and wants to help with the 4-H club and the you know, young Republicans, or what was the group she was talking about? Junior League. She, you know, she wants to know if they have a junior league she can help lead, um, as Deanna is trying to find what positions to put this new group into. 
the great thing about this, even before what happened, what you know, how she dresses and whatnot, which we'll get into, is she's playing the long con. She starts it from the very beginning when she's oh, turning yeah. in her weapons. When she's turning in her weapons, oh, yeah. and she kind of fumbles them in and smiles and's like, it's like I've never used this. I just kind of carry it around. That kind of look. It's amazing what she's doing right now, and I love it. The way she fumbles with that rifle that's on her back. It's just <laughs> I was because for a second I'm going, what in the hell is she doing? And then it yeah, all you kind don't of exactly made sense it, when yeah. she did her interview. But I'm just just like uh, uh, I think I even tweeted out Carol slinging some bullshit out there tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Expertly slinging it, by the yeah. way. I thought at first she was going for like some kind of comedy thing where like it's like the 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 little girl that has like all these weapons on her or something like she's gonna pull out that then that and then like like grab three other guns out from places you didn't expect or something. But no, it was just more of no. This is her setting up exactly who her character is supposed to be right now in terms of the people under the eyes of Alexandria, which is great. Which did lead me to a question, which is, did Deanna not ask them about each other during these interviews? Or, like, did she set this up with everyone else, like, just play it off like a Mameek housewife? And, or did she just hope that Deanna was not going to ask her, anybody else, about, you know, the rest of the group? What does this person do? What does that person do? Based off um, how she how she and Daryl communicate later on, I feel like no one, no one knew that there was this plan happening because she had to explain what she was doing to Daryl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, although she could have just not told Daryl and trusted that he wouldn't say anything because it's Daryl. Fair enough, but I, I I think that's more the case, and I do think it's less... I, I just don't think Deanna was asking the, these people about the other people. I think it was the idea of just getting kind of one-on-one conversations and, like, where they lie. Which I like Deanna quite a bit, but if she was not asking questions about the other people, that's really stupid. Oh, I mean, again, also Rick's group, you know, consists of more than... Consists of a, a bunch of people, so Dia, I don't know if Diana can't find a way to ask that leads her to you know getting a personal profile on every single person in one small video. I I, I think there's ways. I, I I think it's I think it works in terms of what Dia, regardless if she was asking questions about the other the rest of the group or not. I don't think there's I don't think there's too much discrepancy in the idea that nobody would mention. No one's you know going to run out and say Carol's you know the she's the big badass of us all or whatever. Oh, no, 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 I can buy that. I just feel like she should have been asking better questions. Because in general, I like her quite a bit. She seems very competent, but that's just... Maybe she's a little too trusting, I guess. Well, I was saying the amount of probing critique. might not have led to that... that led down that road. Not True. to mention, Aaron and Eric have probably reported at times on the group and the specific people because they knew things. So I'm sure that there is some truth out there as to Carol being a badass that's been reported to her at some time. Well, I think your whole your whole thing about Deanna being too trusting is, is definitely made evident at the end when, you know, the, with the job that she gives Rick and Michonne, you know what I mean? Or offers mm-hmm. Rick and Michonne. I mean, she's definitely too trusting. She barely knows his people, and she's offering him, you know, to, you know, to be, well, you know, sorry, Jerry, uh, to be the, the constable of, of their, you know, free zone, basically to enforce the law, whatever that may be, um, there, but... It, it just she does seem very very much too trusting, especially for this deep into the zombie apocalypse as we are. You know what I mean? Right. I don't know. Maybe Fair, maybe yeah. they, maybe it's true, like what they say later on in the episode about you know they worry about them getting weak if they're in this free zone for too long. Maybe that's what's happened to them. I think it's that's part of it, but there's also we haven't seen Deanna outside of in the presence of Rick and the gang. I mean, we don't know what she's like behind the scenes. Just like you know, everyone in Woodbury didn't know about. Is that Woodbury? Is that right? Woodbury. Yeah, yeah, Woodbury. Yeah. Okay, that's bigger. <laughs> Woodbury, you know, didn't know what the governor was really all about. We still don't have a, like a confirmation that Alexandria is the greatest place the world will be. There's, you know, you could 
chalk that up to not showing the other hand yet, if that is the case. Also, speaking of the governor, I, I, I don't know that we should really apologize, but last week we were joking about the leader of Alexander being the mayor or the uh, the uh, the comptroller. Mm-hmm. I think we had all forgotten about the fact that the leader actually was a congressperson. Yeah. <laughs> it was not us in, uh, trying to skirt around spoilers. We had forgotten. So, sorry, I guess, but it, well, not a big deal. But I did find that funny that, oh, yeah, that actually is what happened. I mean, there was this deleted scene where Diana does like to be referred as the comptroller, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, we do see them all surrendering their weapons, as uh, as was pointed out already. Um, they give them all to who do we decide that was Olivia? Maybe uh, who takes them away on a cart, which was a funny scene. As they just, she's like, "I should have brought another cart," and there's just this cart is covered in guns and knives and grenades and all other manner of uh, of weaponry. Mm-hmm. I like what that EP said on that was on um, Talking Dead about how we didn't even realize how many weapons these people actually carry on them to play these characters until we had that scene. Yeah, and how they were all laughing behind the camera and stuff as that scene was going down. Uh, Rick goes back to his house. They all kind of go back and check out their houses and stuff like that. Rick goes up to the bathroom and sees his crazy bearded face for the first time in a long time uh, and takes a moment to shower and shave. Um, and then come down and reveal that that is a good-looking dude. Now, um, do we need to pour one out here for Rick's beard? Yes, <laughs> definitely. Um, definitely. Maybe play the song Dead Homies by Ice Cube or something in the background as we end the episode, because Rick's beard's been with us a long time, longer than some of the cast members, you know. So, uh, <laughs> and that was one epic beard. It was. That was a mountain. That was a mountain man, Grizzly Adams worthy beard. You know, that was that was good. I want to go back and listen to listen to him in the first couple episodes because even though he shaved the beard off, he still sounds like grizzled old man. So I'm like, I'm curious, like how different he is in those earlier episodes and how young his youthful and still kind of English inflectiony his voice may sound in those earlier episodes compared to now when he's just he's withered coral. by the war against undead and, co- and, and coral, <laughs> coral. Because really, shaving that beard took a good ten, fifteen years off of him. But he still sounded so beardly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, and when he comes down, still, I think he's still wrapped in a towel and shirtless. Um, yeah. There's a knock at the door, and we are introduced to Jesse, who lives nearby, has a young Sam named Ron, and a smoking, creepy husband named Pete, who we'll see later. And uh, she tells Rick uh, that she used to be a hairdresser, and she offers to cut his hair, which she later does. And by the time she's done, man, Rick looks pretty much just like he did in the pilot, which is really amazing. And more so when we go down through the episode, he puts on the uniform. But uh, it's really a trip back in time. It was it was weird seeing. Now, when was the last time they they had real showers? Going back to the prison, maybe. I mean, the prison they had like cold water showers coming from like a you know a, a. plastic bag basically because you have to go from uh, to like the cdc for an actual honest to god shower like the last time yeah the one. cdc and then before that uh the uh the police lockup or, or the sheriff station in the pilot uh him and morgan and Dwayne went there and, and had showers as far um, as the majority of the cast goes i mean woodbury had a pretty nice that's true yeah that's a good point and you never know they might have you know found something along the way that we just never saw the but... bathing dead <laughs> this is probably the best shower anyone's had since uh, since maybe Woodbury for some of them, but the, you know the CDC for the rest of them. Well, yeah, Michelle. I mean, Michelle came out. She was brushing her teeth for like half an hour or something. Yeah. Well, you could tell it'd been a while for a shower when they had that shot of all the Grimes coming off of Rick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> Grimes. I see what you did there, buddy. <laughs> 
pun noted. Wow. We also follow Carl for a while as he meets up with Ron and some of the other kids um, in the town, and they offer to play video games with him or play pool, and it's really weird to see Carl interacting with other teenagers. Um, and I was a little worried at first because teenagers on TV hanging out can just get really boring and annoying really quickly, but at least as far as episode, this episode is concerned, I did not have a problem with it. I, I like this scene a lot, uh, both because Chandler Riggs has t- developed so well and, and this character has developed so well. Remember when we used to, you know, hate Carl and make fun of him? Now, watching him, like, have to deal with the complexity of choosing whether to play pool or Xbox, that's that was just fascinating to me as he kind of, like, I don't or know what to do. Or read comic books. Or read comic Like, it's just... Like that was that was great. I love. I just that was a little a little scene that I really liked. Which did my eyes deceive me, or was that a copy of the Amazing Wolfman? By I wouldn't Robert have been Kirkman? surprised if it was. I, I I caught the word wolf on the back of the cover, um, and it turns out it was Enid's comic book. And Enid is uh, the young girl of the group, uh, mid teenager somewhere in there. I'm not very good at gauging ages, but uh, she's a recent uh, addition to the community. She's only been there, I think they say six or eight months. And uh, she's kind of cut off from the rest of the group, doesn't really talk much, and uh, as Carl will point out later, doesn't seem to like him. Let's all make sure to write in that uh, Jordan needs to get on the new reality show Gauging Ages, by the way. But, um... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yeah, here we... Yeah, we got new kids, and uh, one of them... She's quieter than the others, but I'm sure she and Carl will have lots lots to talk about in episodes to come. Carl eventually has a sit-down with Rick uh, later in the episode where he mentions that he's worried that their group is going to get weak because everyone in this community just seems weak. They've been cut off from surviving so long that they've either forgotten about how to do it or they've never done it in the first place, which is, uh, I thought, a very apt thing for Carl to say. And definitely, you know, his dad is impressed by that uh, observation. Yeah, Carl was crushing it this episode, I'm telling you. He was doing his part. For the first few nights that they're in the community, the group elects to all stay in the same house and all sleep uh, on the floor together so that they can keep watch and not be you know strung up in their sleep or something like that, uh, which Deanna comes over to the house one night with, I forget what she's bringing over, whether it was just to say hi or to bring something, but she, uh, she notes that they're all there and says it's a good idea, and she's happy to see they're all sticking together and that they're like a family. She seems very impressed by them in general. She respects them as a group that they're doing this for the time being. Right. Plus, we also get the scenes of Rick. He keeps waking up in the middle of the night. Uh, with the first scene, he goes into the uh, kitchen and like pulls out a, a big butcher knife. And he just kind of stands there in the dark in the kitchen holding the butcher knife. And the second scene, he wakes up and Michonne is also awake. And they're kind of, they kind of, you know, discuss about what's going on as well. It's just, they're, you know, their old habits are dying hard in this a new environment. And Rick's mind never stops working the whole episode. Later, he tells Glenn to try to find a way to bring back their, or to get back their weapons from the lockup. You know, he's, he's always working with somebody or on something. He's always keeping his eyes open. Um, even as he's having trouble adjusting to this life, he, he's not going to become weak like Carl's worried about. He's very, very aware of his surroundings and what's going on. Except when he loses the kids briefly, but he gets them back. So Rick eventually heads outside the gates in an attempt to get that gun that he had stashed in the blender last episode. Um, and he gets there, and there's no gun in the blender. And then zombies come out, and he starts fighting them. But right before that had happened, we were also inside the gates, and we see Carl looking out the window, and he sees Enid sneaking out of the safe zone. Uh, she has a way to climb over the walls, and he follows her. Um, and i got to say, my TV signal cut out right here, so the next thing I know, he's there with Rick fighting zombies. So someone clue me in what happened between him climbing over the wall, Rick finding there was no gun, and then all of a sudden they're together fighting zombies. He followed her into the woods and then lost her. 
and then kind of showed up at Rick's side. Yeah. He just did he hear something, or was he just there? No, no. We just Carl just kind of appears on the scene as well. I mean, I, I okay. imagine the locations are fairly close to each other, and he probably heard something. But uh, yeah, Rick sort of like freaking out, like, "Why is there no gun here?" Carl shows up, and then yeah, the fighting ensues. And Rick gives Carl the final kill, which was a nice father-son bonding moment in uh, an episode with a number of them. I was just going to say, this is when we get a nice the nice father-son kill, which is probably you know, my zombie kill of the week for sure. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that, and I would hopefully at some point want to see a boyhood mashup of Walking Dead scenes with Rick and Carl sharing zombie kills together. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. People that would just be let great. me tell you about my best friend. Yeah. The, the, uh, <laughs> that the is weird. Of Carl's I was just father. thinking that. I was just thinking that, Jim, the courtship of Eddie's father. But uh, that was Scott Ian they killed, by the way, that he allowed, uh, they let um, Coral uh, kill. Oh, uh, was it? Okay. Anthrax. I knew he was going to be on yeah. as a zombie yeah, again. That was but... him, the one that reaches out for the leg under, uh, for Rick's leg. The one who was taking a nap under the trap. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, because as you do when you're a zombie. It was Oscar the zombie. That was just Scott Ian just hanging out, by the way, too. He didn't really, they didn't know they were going to do that. He was like, oh, hey, guys, I was just sleeping under this trash. Right. There was no, there was no makeup involved. <laughs> <laughs> now I've heard some people speculate that that zombie might have been put there as a trap by someone. Dude, I don't. Buy I didn't it. get that from the episode, but I've seen a lot of people saying that. I don't buy it. Yeah, I, I, I don't think, think it's, so. Uh, I think that's more of like what whatever that was, it collapsed or something, and it was just kind of stuck there until lying dormant until you know noise and activity made its you know presence. I think Enid grabbed that gun. Well, that, yeah, that was gonna be my next question. Who do we think grabbed the gun? Well, uh, as we found out, Aaron. And Eric, they've been, you know, they've been watching Rick's crew, so it wouldn't be surprising if there's other watchers among the, the folks in Alexandria, so the options are open, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Enid is the one, given that, you know, the episode tries to make it pretty clear that she goes on on her own, no one knows about it. And that she's kind of separated from the rest of Alexandria and has only been there for a short period of time. For sure. Uh, certainly a decent uh, idea. Also... Early on in the episode, Deanna mentions that she, I think she says recently, but had to exile someone out of the community. Three people. So there's, or three people. So there's three people that we've never seen. They could be dead for all we know, but possibly one of them. My mind also went to Carol. That, you know, Carol was not too far away, and given her whole secret agent routine, maybe she tried to smuggle a gun, and it seems like something she would do. I don't know that she would take Rick's gun without telling him, but it's a possibility. Should we talk about Carol? I think I think we kind of skipped past what went on with her, even though we kind of addressed it already. Yeah, sure, sure. Let's talk about this. So uh, in addition to lying to Deanna about who she is and, and fumbling with the gun when she handed over her weapons, uh, she is also dressed up like uh, Mr. Rogers or Carol Brady or, or Mrs. Cleaver by uh, the end of the episode. Martha like, Stewart. I was thinking more sure, of like sure. uh, Tina, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler in the Mom Jeans commercial. Sure, sure. <laughs> and she clues in Daryl that, you know, this is all basically part of a long con to make everyone trust her and not suspect her as a threat, just in case she needs to become one and, and uh, have the upper hand. And he promptly tells her that she looks ridiculous, which I laughed out loud at. I was waiting for her to start going door to door selling Avon or Mary Kay. <laughs> Who looks more ridiculous, though? The, I mean, the woman that's dressed up nice or the, the, the unshaven, unshowered man gutting a possum on the front <laughs> step? I know, I was say. <laughs> He's on the porch of this, like, McMansion gutting this possum. That was pretty awesome. Yeah, everybody's got to have a hobby. Yeah, awesome possum, awesome as they say, possum. Jim. Absolutely. That's what the kids say. Is it? Ask Enid. Which, which kids? <laughs> <laughs> the kids who are around a lot of possums. So also, we have Glenn, Tara, and Noah joining Nicholas and Deanna's son, Aiden. Is Aiden or Aiden? 
What, which Aiden's, one is Aiden? Aiden. Aiden. They're, they're going out on a supply run with them because Deanna's, you know, assigning jobs. Rick becomes the constable, like we said. Carol's going to be making food for the, you know the old and the infirmed, and that that kind of thing, which is you know a, a useful job. And uh, we'll eventually find out that uh, Michonne is going to be Rick's co-constable, if you will. They will be the they will be the law. It's going to be the hot, new, hot show of the fall season. Rick and Michonne. <laughs> Rick Shone. What will what will Abraham do? Mustaches. He'll be in charge of mustaches. Mustache. Okay, good. That job. is an important job. Did you notice Gabriel in this episode at all? Yeah, he was in the background in a few scenes. All right. Which is I understand, exactly I understand. where I want him if he's going to be anywhere. For sure. And it may, I mean, obviously the episode can't, you know, do everybody justice. So, I mean, I'm not surprised if I just, you know, basically missed him as opposed to, you know, seeing out and out scenes that say, like, look, this guy's in the cast still. Like, but at the same time, I was like, huh, I don't feel like I would have liked to seen his little confessional video. That would have been interesting. Time well, maybe we will next week. Who knows? And, time, time will tell. And I bet there'd be nothing more entertaining than watching uh, Eugene's video. <laughs> oh, I want to see that so bad. Oh, um, So, Nicholas is the guy we met at the gate in the very beginning of the episode who asked for the guns and was told off by Rick and, and um, Aaron. And Aiden, this is, I think, the first time we see him, and he is very quickly revealed to be a douche. Um, he, I just didn't like him from the beginning, and it was nice to see by midway through his scenes, he even points out, yes, I know I'm kind of a jerk and a douchebag, but that's who I am. So at least he's self-aware. It doesn't I guess make that's a it any better. I'm sorry. Just because you're an asshole. Oh, I'm sorry. Just no, it's you're not. A dude, just because you're a douchebag and you're aware of it doesn't make it any better. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. I'm douchey and I know it. Yeah. <laughs> Almost makes it worse. He's the reason that I think that Deanna so quickly to trust Rick in the group. Because I think that she's trying to figure out after she's exiled three people that probably aren't happy with her, some of the other problems, the dwindling numbers in their community, so forth and so on, and her best hope for people to lead groups outside those walls or to have any kind of experience in uh, protecting the community, her best hope is her son Aiden, who is a complete and utter douche. I, I think that she's hoping that this is the option to finally have some sort of sense of security. Just like Carl is worried that they're going to become weak by being inside the walls, I think Deanna is hoping that just the presence of Rick's people will make the community strong. Well, I don't think she's wrong in that, so... Oh, I, I agree, I agree. I think if the uh, the payoff didn't come in this episode already in terms of just kind of aiding, you know, getting punched in the face, I would have found this to be something to find gripe with but i was so happy with the way it all turned out <laughs> yeah where all like after getting a nifty scene of like tara ripping off the skin of a walker is like oh that's gross looking getting like you know the come the the results back after you know when they arrive back at home and you get that alpha male stuff and then glenn's not backing down Aiden's not backing down then he takes a swing and glenn's like does amazing duck work and just you know, knocks him in the face it's like yeah good stuff good job guys. so let's let's back up for a minute to find out how we got there uh-huh. which is they go out on the supply run aiden's a douche he tells them that they'd recently lost a couple people to a zombie and so you know basically the whole do everything i tell you don't do anything else uh type routine i was in the rotc or whatever so you have to listen to me because i think i know what i'm doing and he tells them, you know, the zombie, because it had killed a couple of their people, that him and Nicholas, I, I don't know if he says anyone else, but at least him and Nicholas strung the zombie up 
and it's basically their pre-scavenging ritual to, I don't know if they were going to shoot at it or what they were going to do, but this zombie is up there and it's their, you know, look at that thing and remember what happens if you're not careful out there, but uh, there's no zombie to be found because it had fallen off the hooks or whatever they'd hung it up on. The zombie comes out. Our group is quickly ready to dispatch of it like normal, rational people. But Aiden doesn't want it destroyed. He wants to hang it back up there. Uh, there's a scuffle. Eventually, like uh, like Aaron pointed out, uh, Tara is you know grabbing at it, and its skin is ripping right off like fried chicken. And then uh, her and Glenn take it down, which puts Aiden over the edge, and he brings it back and basically says, you're not ready, you don't know what you're doing out there. And Glenn stands up to him and is like, you are just an idiot, it's not us out there who doesn't know what we're doing. Even Noah, the new guy, can tell that we know what we're doing, and you have no idea, and uh, eventually punches Aiden. And there's a little brawl. Everybody comes out. Even Deanna comes out. Um, it's all, you know, kind of washed uh, washed under the bridge, and then Deanna thanks Glenn for punching her son, which made me love her immediately. Yes, yes for that, but let's stop a bit. The Glenn... Glenn is doing his best to just talk, you know, talk it up, but not, like, re- react. And Aiden is doing the same until he goes over the edge, and he swings at Glenn first. Glenn ducks and then punches Aiden in the face, which yes, is true, amazing. True. And then what I like, what it, what's even, like, more amazing to me is that the second Aiden gets punched and knocked down, the other guy, Nicholas, he, like, lunges at Glenn, but then Daryl lunges back at him and takes him down first. That's yeah. love. That's, that's love right there. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Well, Rick has to come, like, talk Daryl off of him. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's that moment where Rick mm-hmm. is like trying to talk Terrell down from taking him. Uh... It's just it's a good unit right there. Just seeing everybody respond accordingly. Well, once Daryl gets going, he sees everyone as a possum. So you got to be careful. He might cut them. <laughs> Did he get a job? Not yet. Not yet. He didn't got anything. <laughs> I have ideas. <laughs> Bait and tackle shop. Uh, later that night, after kind of everything has gone down, uh, Rick puts on his new cop uniform and uh, comes down. And it, like like I'd mentioned earlier in the episode, it reminds me very much of the pilot when those first couple episodes where he's still wearing uh, his sheriff's uniform. It is really weird to see him in that, which everyone kind of points out. But he sits down with Carol and Daryl. And he tells them a similar thing to what Carl had told him about, you know, the group being, you know, this new group of Alexandra being weak. And he says, if they prove too weak to protect themselves, that their group will step up and take this place over. Bum, bum, bum. And the episode ends. It was awesome. That's just a good (laughs) ending. I mean, the whole episode is just really well, well done. I mean, in terms of getting us into a new location, allowing us to have obvious suspicions, but still be basically wooed over not necessarily as quickly as the cast or more so than the cast maybe but it's just like it's just so well handled and you know you're introducing a lot of characters and you know we're ones that talk about how the show does great by having you know smaller focus but you know when the ensemble episodes work they work and this is one of them that really does work you get to hear from a lot of the cast members and as well as a lot of new cast members and they're all used utilized really well so i was very very happy with how this went out yeah, there's just a lot of really nice small elements in this episode. Even when it took, you know, like, sidetracks, like Rick kind of freaking out when he can't find Carl and Judith, and it's almost this weird section from a Lifetime movie, but I don't mean that in a bad way, but just, like, him running out into the street and panicking and and having this moment of, you know, my, my children have been abducted. Even just those little moments, like, everything worked together really well to, to add a lot of tension to this episode, 
But it was weird. The tension was ramping at different points, even as we as the viewer were becoming more and more on the side of, I think this Alexandria is fine. And then to have that, you know, the rug pulled out from money at the end where, oh, maybe our guys are the villains, kind of. Um, Just great. I really enjoyed it. It was kind of a roller coaster for me a little bit as far as what you're talking about there, Jordan, because, yeah, it did have that intenseness of, Something just does not sit well with this, yet at the same time we are comfortable with it. But it was even more so for me thinking about it because I was thinking about how how this ends up, what what Alexandria ends up meaning to those of us that have read the comics. And, you know, so I just kept going back and forth between, I think everything's going to be okay, then... Oh, wait a minute. They have twisted things on this show. What are they planning? You know, just up and down. So, I mean, they've done a really good job of 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 making me mistrust everything that seems hopeful. So, which I think is the goal for the writers on this show. So, good job. Definitely a uh, good episode. Um, I think I'm with Aaron on probably the best one of this season. Now, if Rick and Carol and Daryl do decide this place is too weak, it's time for us to take over. Do we foresee a a standoff between those three and other members of the group? Like, is Michonne going to stand for that? Is, you know, Tara and Glenn and Maggie and Abraham, are they going to stand for a hostile takeover of this community if it is indeed as peaceful and nice as it seems? I don't get, at least to me, when, when Rick said that, it didn't come off to me as... We'll hostily take a. We'll do a hostile takeover because he. Pre- well, he's trying to get the guns back. Right. Well, I mean, I and I would be too. It, it, I mean, the whole thing is, is you still don't know what's going to happen yet, so it's best to get as much protection for yourself as possible. But I don't think that he's doing anything to intentionally hot do a hostile takeover because he prefaces it by saying, you know, hopefully they'll be able to get with it, but if not you know, we'll take it over or however he phrased it. But what I got from that was hopefully these people are going to step, you know, it's not so much we're going to step down and join their group and become, you know, um, Pleasantville here. They're, they're going to have to step up to what, what we are and, and mix their stability of their community with our badassness of, of the ability to survive because we are survivors. So I'm what I'm think way I took that was if they don't step up then they're just going to say hey look this is how we're going to do it and they're just going to take over. I don't think I don't I think that it's smart getting the guns in anticipation of people like Aiden or uh, Jesse's husband or something people that just don't seem very welcoming of them. But at the same time I think that the entire plan that Deanna's had is to maybe it wasn't necessarily Rick and his group, but a group of people out there that would come along that has the skill set that they do and been through what they've been and still stood together as a group. I think that she's wanted that to come along and take over the community. So I don't see her having a lot of resistance to it. I think she's actually setting it up to be that way by making him constable and so forth. I don't know. I see Retatorship 2.0 coming. To get back to to address your question, Jordan, I 
I would much prefer there to be kind of an internal struggle between the cast members rather than have another big bad enemy for them to have to deal with at the end of the season. Yeah, that yeah. would be certainly the most interesting thing to me. Although, I mean, a new big bad enemy could be interesting as well, depending on how they for do sure. it. For sure, yeah. I'm not, yeah, but it's like we've we've seen that a couple times now. So it's, you know, we got Gareth, we had the governor. Given that, you know, I, I, like, I like this cast and I like to see more of them in action, you know, it'd be nice to see some internal drama form, especially given how much emphasis there's been put on the fact that they're, you know, a tight-knit family. Seeing that come apart, that provides some dramatic complexity. Absolutely. So before we get into our busters and what the listeners thought, hey, we have another sponsor, kind of. This episode and every episode of the Walking Dead TV podcast is, of course, brought to you by the HHW LOD Podcast Network, which you can find at hhwlod.com. And all four of us and the other hosts who are on this uh, show as well host many podcasts on the network. So let's take a minute to talk about some of those real quick. Aaron, you are, of course, uh, the Aaron of Out Now with Aaron and Abe, a weekly new release movie podcast. What are you guys talking about this week? Uh, This week we are talking about the film Focus, starring Will Smith, um, which led to much more discussion of Will Smith's career in general than I thought would, but it's uh, quite a fun one, so that should be dropping... uh this uh, the Wednesday of this week. Very cool. And uh, Jim and Rich, you're both on the DC TV podcast, which is covering all the many DC television shows that are going on uh, these days, which is a, th- a lot. Uh, so what are you talking about as the seasons are starting to uh, wind down now? The latest episode of DC TV podcast, we had uh, episodes of uh, Gotham uh, and Arrow to talk about. And then we also had a bonus segment where we talked about the animated uh, feature based on Batman Year One. Uh, Aaron was uh, our guest on that episode, actually, so that works out pretty nicely. Um, but yeah, we were covering uh, Gotham, Constantine, which was recently uh, just finished up. Uh, the Flash, Arrow, we're also going to be covering the new uh, iZombie show that starts up in the middle of March, uh, based on the Vertigo comics. So all, if it's DC and it's on TV, we're, we're talking about it. Very cool. Also on the network, we have It's All Connected, a Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, which talks about all the Marvel movies and and, uh, television shows. They just had their uh, season finale coverage for Agent Carter, at least as we record this, that's the newest episode up. And uh, very soon they'll be talking about the mid-season premiere of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which I'm very excited about. We also have uh, the newest member of the network, which is the Whedonverse podcast, which is taking a chronological look at the uh, career of Joss Whedon. Right now, they just finished up season one of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and look back at the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie, which I've never actually seen. So I'm holding that episode until I can get a chance to watch that What? (laughs) Hey, I've seen the rest of the show and all this other work. I just haven't seen that movie. Um, And I assume they'll be going to season two very soon as well. And we're we're happy to have them. My personal show is Jersey Shore. That's Jersey question mark Shore, S-U-R-E exclamation point. And uh, this week's episode, which uh, should go up right around the same time this one does, we are actually taking a look back at the uh, career of Leonard Nimoy, who just passed away, uh, which is very sad. Um, and, and also Star Trek in general we look at. And then we also talk about the Power Slash Rangers short film that kind of uh, caught fire on the internet this uh, this past week and we had a lot of fun with. And then talk about our memories of uh, Power Rangers as well. Um, Pierce, who likes the show quite a bit, and me and Dave, who even as children realized it was really, really dumb. Uh, but we still had a lot of fun talking about it. Uh, what other shows on that? We've got Half Hour Wasted. We've got Legion of Dudes, of course. Um, the Black Box. Uh, the Echopod Crane cast, and that show's on. And, and many, many others. So check out hhwlod.com if you enjoy the show. And there's tons of other content that you will get a kick out of as well. I guarantee it. Except I don't, because if you didn't enjoy it and try to get money from me or something, I don't got any to give you, so sorry. But uh, I think you'll like it. So, Buster Ratings, gentlemen? 
Let's do it. All righty. Uh, of course, we give a Buster rating to every episode of The Walking Dead, one being the worst, five being the best. Jim, let's start with you this week. What did you think of this episode? How many Busters do you give it? I give it a 4.75, man. Um, to shine my highest rating. This is a really good episode. Again, I, I really enjoyed the the filming, uh, the, you know, the filming um, uh, framing sequences there with the, char- the different characters. Especially once I realized what was going on with Carol and, and Michonne trying to you know kiss up and, and ingratiate themselves with their their interviews. Um, I like the kind of sense of foreboding it started out with and kind of unanswered questions that are still happening around what's going on with Alexandria and the you know of course the the, the clear and present conflict there you know, with the different factions inside so um i enjoyed it quite a bit so 4.75 for me to echo jim um 4.75 is is what i came up with um very tempted to give it a five actually but 4.75 and there was a lot right with this episode and there was very very little wrong i felt that they did well on all ends of the spectrum of making this episode so and it's got me excited for the rest of the season and guessing at what's to come based off of my comic knowledge. It's, yeah, I just, this this episode really got me going. I'll go with a five, honestly. I Whatever whatever I gave four walls and a roof, I'd give this episode. And I can't quite recall that offhand, so I'm just going to assume it was a five, and I'm giving this one a five as well. I think it does everything that I w- would like from this show in a way that's very, very good. I think it, I've talked about you know minor issues here or there, but that's not nearly enough to take away from what I think is one of the best episodes of the season. Very good. I'm. I was kind of with uh, with Richard, where I was having a hard time deciding on four point seven five or a five. And I think now that I've heard your guys' ratings, not that I base my ratings on your guys' ratings, but just to even things out, uh, we'll give it two four point seven fives, and I'm going to side with Aaron and give it a five. You know, there was nothing in this episode that really like blew me away. Like, oh my gosh, I could have never seen that coming. Something crazy. But what it was was a really solid hour of television and a really, really solid hour of The Walking Dead, a show that even in episodes I really like, there's often those things that I can point out, yeah, but there was this thing, and yeah, but there was that thing. And this episode was just really solid. I really enjoyed it. I liked that it was a new direction and a new feel. And unlike many new directions and new feels where it takes them, you know, an episode, a few episodes, you know, maybe half a season to figure out how are we going to make this work? This was a new feel and it worked right out of the gate. So I think I'm going to go with that five. Um, really, really solid. And I really enjoyed it. But Jim, who cares what we four idiots think? What did the listeners on the Facebook group think of this week's episode? Well, we have a uh, fairly active Facebook group. It's called the Walking Dead TV Podcast Facebook group, oddly enough, because you're listening to the Walking Dead TV Podcast. And oh, is that, I never put that together. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. Yeah, we try to keep it streamlined around here. But uh, in addition to a lot of uh, random fun stuff and uh, links to Aaron's reviews of every episode of The Walking Dead that he writes for the youngfolks.com, uh, that you can link to from the Facebook group. We also ask our, our listeners to write in with their Buster ratings on the episode and some brief thoughts. And we uh, we always have a pretty lively uh, community going on there, and this week is no obse- uh, no exception. Uh, Everard Santa Marina gives a 4.25 creepy jump scare setups out of 5. A while like where they're going, it feels not quite as well executed as we've grown accustomed to. Deanna feels either insincere or not convincingly well acted. Aiden is a total jerk. And it feels like they went way out of their way to make us think that. Uh, but it's probably new territory trying to convince us something is wrong. But they're not total whack jobs like most of the previous groups the survivors have encountered. 
Uh, my concern is this becomes more high school drama than survivalist drama, as Enid Snit seemed to indicate. Uh oh. Although saying that she's been out there, she's probably closest to their state of mind. Well, that's true too. Uh, Mike Jones, five awesome possums out of five. I'd give it more than a five if possible. One of my favorite episodes ever in the series. Uh, what was up with those kids Coral hung out with? Felt like the Lost Boys. Um, I think that uh, the wall-jumping emo girl found Rick's blender gun. There's a sentence I don't say very often, huh? Uh, Max <laughs> Sofer said, uh, 4.5 out of 5 opossums. I was in love with the episode from the beginning. From the moment Daryl said, uh, we brought dinner. Since everyone was shipping last week, I'll start it off this week. Enarl is totally happening. It'll start when Carl offers her a bite of his pudding. <laughs> Uh, also, Max Suffer said he was watching. He determined he was going to make a Rick Steamy joke about the shower scene, but totally forgot and had to come back and say it later. Um, Robin Young Sanders gave it 4.85 grams of beard shavings. <laughs> An excellent episode, full of tension as you wait for things to unravel one way or another. Uh, David B. the third, 4.5 unshaven Daryl Dixon faces out of 5. I was just waiting for the kids to bust out the Walking Dead video games on their Xbox. <laughs> as long as they're the ones by Telltale and not the... Uh, not the ones by survival action. instincts. Yeah, not survival instincts. Uh, Mike, um, let's see, tw- uh, Tom Bono at four point five. Where the hell is the preacher out of five? A solid episode. Who cares? Yeah, I didn't miss him that much. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't say that to be derisive of you, a listener. I understand why people are like, hey, where are these characters? It's just I don't want to see that character. We got a Brent Jones of th- three point uh, five. Dirty Daryl Dixon's out of five. I understand we have to view them in just in this environment, but I watch this one with a sense of dread. I'm really worried my love of this show will diminish if it turns into a soap opera about the community. Oh, I don't know about that, buddy. Uh, stay tuned is all i got to say there. Uh, Trisha and, and the show's been a soap opera since the beginning? Yeah, but there are zombies. Yeah, still a soap opera. zombies. I know. It's not necessarily a bad thing. That's all I'm zombies. saying. Uh, Trisha Terrell Collins, four out of five weasels ripped my flesh walkers. Hey, nice Frank Zappa lift there. Uh, Carol was the ultimate weirdo. What was that piece of paper she took off the counter? It was a blank uh, legal pad, I believe. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So she might be taking notes. She might want to do the old uh, pencil shavings trick and see what was written on it last. She might be making a map. Maybe she just likes paper. Maybe she's one of those people who eats paper. Maybe she's in Oregon. We'll find that out. It looked to me like she was drawing out the perimeter of the camp. Or the community. Which seems like something she would do, so... Yeah. And is smart, so. Uh, Shauna Whiteman Gebart gave 4.5 hot sh- steamy showers out of 5. I love how strategically Carol is approaching this group. Even when she was placing her gun in the cart, she was playing her role. And her comment about gained another neighbor, she saved them all once, and I can see her doing it again. Uh, Robert Niagara, 4.5 Carol's looking ridiculous out of 5. Uh, given Rick's statement at the very end, listen to how he lays it all out for Diana and Deanna in the interview, how it may likely go down. But she's giving it right back to Rick. She plays poker and has videos of all the interviews to study them later. Um, we also got a couple of pictures here comparing the way uh, Carol dressed at the end of the episode to Serial Mom, which are fairly close. Uh, that was a you know, great movie, Kathleen Turner, uh, Roger Water, or John Waters movie. John Waters. Yeah, yeah. John Waters. Uh, Belinda Clark Ake, four, solid four out of five creepy Carol neighbors. Alexandra may not be safe from The Walking Dead. Uh, Mary Turkpeck, you have four out of five beards gone bye-bye. 
I really liked the episode and the way they worked it with the unease of the new group environment. Love the sense of not knowing which way the community can go. The paranoia is palpable. Uh, Harold Turk, four out of five Mr. Rogers sweaters. I like the vibe of the show and the uncertainty of this group. I also like that Daryl won't take a shower. Is he afraid that he doesn't dress? If he, if he doesn't, he'll dress like Carol? Dun, dun, dun. Uh, we got four uh, four possum kebabs from Roger Austin. Loving how the season is building after a couple of slow episodes. Uh, Ian Tim's f- whose house? Ron's house. Four out of five busters. Really enjoyable episode. Setting things up for when it all goes wrong again. Um, Luke Smith, four out of five. I, uh, this episode, I absolutely love Carol. This episode, King your cards. Very close to her chest. Still my favorite character. I believe it was the young girl who jumped the wall, stole Rick's gun, and she's clearly done that before, and maybe witnessed Rick stashing it uh, before they entered the community. You know, that might be who was watching them from that abandoned house on the outside. Too. Yeah, I've seen that theory going around, and I like it quite a bit. Uh, Richard Chopper Cherry Charrington, four blunt razor blades out of five. Love Daryl's one-liner at the start, we brought dinner. Uh, the episode had me on the edge of my seat, not for fear of walkers, but the f- for fear of the new group. Each episode is improving and making me want more. Keep it up, AMC. Roll on next Monday. Uh, Chris Pierce, I give this episode three out of five copies of Wolf Fight, the comic Carl found. Also, the show has never used the term zombies in reference to last year week's podcast argument. I'm waiting for a heartfelt apology, and I think your podcast host would forgive you if you ordered them a pizza. <laughs> Yes, I, 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 your side. I received messages about that. Uh, I still I still stand by. I seem to remember it happening, but maybe I was wrong. Sorry. <laughs> somebody's going to order me a pizza. I will, I will say whatever you need. Uh, Jimmy Tucker, 4.5 Constable Ricks out of 5. I have not read this far into the comics, so I have no idea what is happening, but this place seems too good to be true. Carol was amazing this episode. And like I said, if you want to... Uh, you know, post your your thoughts on the episodes of The Walking Dead that happen. Your mini review, uh, we'll read them here on the show. We try to keep uh, the most current and, and interesting news about Walking Dead on the uh, updated on the site. And like I said, you can also see links there to Aaron's written reviews of each episode of The Walking Dead. TheYoungFolks dot com. It's all at the Walking Dead TV podcast uh, Facebook group. Join us. Now, did you see the? Did you guys see this? Um, what you call it? Um, the news story about how they're they're selling off the city that appeared in the, in the episode Clear. They're auctioning, they're auctioning it off. Yeah, the actual city. The actual city in Georgia. The entire, the city. entire city. No pieces of the city. Well, it's the main, It's like <laughs> nine buildings in the city. You know, it's basically the whole town. It's like huh. six hundred thousand dollars or something. But no, it's hey, it's a steal. No. That that that's less than you'd pay for one of those houses in Alexandria. No, I'm saving my money, waiting for Norman Reedus to put. Uh, um, Andy Lincoln's beard up on eBay. So. <laughs> so until next time, you can leave us a voicemail at 972-798-3830 or an email WDTV at HHWLOD.com. And of course, like we already said, check out HHWLOD.com for all of our great shows that we already mentioned. You can follow us on Twitter at HHWLOD underscore network. And so until there's no more room in hell and the dead walk the earth, remember was the name of this episode. Have a good week, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Oh wow! That was Jordan. pretty meta, dude. <laughs> that was like a that was like a purred happily joke, right there. <laughs> Great news is not the headline I will be reading on this week's episode. <laughs> and of course, next week on The Walking Dead. And if you don't want to know anything about next week's episode, believe me, there's not much here in terms of spoilers. But if you don't want to know anything, cut out now. Have a great week. But if you don't mind knowing the name of the episode and the synopsis from TVGuide.com, 
Next week's episode, episode 513, is entitled Forget. Get it? Because this week's episode was called Remember? Next week's is called Forget. And uh, the synopsis we have is Rick and the group continue to acclimate to their new surroundings. Not exactly surprising. And uh, on the scene from uh, next week's episode that we saw on Talking Dead, it was actually a pretty cool scene, mostly silent, but Sasha out in the woods uh, using some old uh, uh, framed photographs for target practice as she practices her sniping, and she seems to be getting pretty good at that, as we saw on this week's episode as well. Mm -hmm. Seems to me they could be setting her up to take the place of a uh, character from the comics who isn't around anymore. Just a thought, though. Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. I see where you're going with that. I'm picking up what you're laying ass. down. I'm picking up what you're laying down. I'm trying to think of a line from the sketch from Monty Python, but uh, all I can think of is know what I mean, know what I mean, know what I mean. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, hey, hey, say no more, say no more. Say no more. Have a good week, everybody. Oh, who are the people in your neighborhood, in your neighborhood, in your neighborhood? Say, who are the people in your neighborhood? The people that you meet each day. This Walking Dead Wikipedia page was last edited 41 minutes ago by Batman TAS. Damn straight it was. <laughs> yeah, it was. The animated series did it. Yeah. Hey, everybody, and... Well, let me hold that mic in a different place so it's more... Whoa! Like away from your crush? You yeah. <laughs> no, I was just kind of yeah. curling it against my chest because I don't have a mic then. Nobody wants to hear that, man. That's a different podcast. What do you think she's doing in them woods? Well, we'll get to that. We haven't gotten to that yet. Okay. Pooping. <laughs> Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Pooping. <laughs> yeah, I will so. turn this car around. Chan the regs for Peter Parker? <laughs> no. No. No, Chandler, Chandler regs for Harry Osborne. <laughs> Ooh. Mm. I wouldn't hate that. I see what you're I, doing. I would not hate that. But regardless. Flash Gordon? Flash Gordon. Flash Thompson? <laughs> Either way. Let's have, let's have both. Why not? Coral, you get down from that rocket ship. Well, they're the people that you meet when you're walking down the street. They're the people that.